This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific and Applied Biosystems' new Qualtrack real-time PCR and digital PCR solutions for biopharma. Give your cell and gene therapy development an edge with reliable and accurate qPCR and dPCR workflows backed by a trusted supplier. Explore the complete ecosystem of CGMP-compliant qPCR and dPCR assays, master mixes, and instruments at thermofisher.com slash qPCR slash biopharma. Hello and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and my guest for today's episode is Philip Tolaikis, PhD. He is the president and CEO of CERNOVACORP, which is a publicly traded clinical stage regenerative medicine technology company that develops products for the treatment of chronic diseases, such as diabetes and hemophilia, which we will get into in just a second. But before we do, Philip, thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Good. So I know I just kind of gave a brief overview of CERNOVA, but we want to hear it from your, for, from you. Talk to us about Cernova. What do you guys do? Sure. So Cernova is is a clinical stage uh, public company um, that is developing therapy, re- developing regenerative medicine therapeutics. So basically, this is around a cell therapy approach for the treatment of really serious diseases such as type one diabetes. And the idea here is that as opposed to just trying to mask disease symptoms, what Cernova is entirely focusing on is providing a functional cure for patients, uh, such as people that have type 1 diabetes. So what does a functional cure mean? Basically, what that entails is if you look at people that have type 1 diabetes, they've lost the ability of cells in the pancreas to control blood sugar levels. And so these cells called islets read blood sugar levels and release insulin into the bloodstream. And so what Cernova, what the patients have been doing for the last hundred years is taking insulin injections to try to control those blood sugar levels. And importantly, if you don't control them really carefully, then you get a series of side effects such as heart disease, kidney disease, blindness, amputations, et cetera. So super high cost in the medical system of type 1 diabetes. So what Cernova is working on is a cell therapy approach whereby we have developed a small medical device that is placed deep under the skin, which forms a highly vascularized organ-like environment. And then we place the therapeutic cells into that device, and then it forms a mini organ to be able to, again, go back and read the blood sugar levels and release insulin into the bloodstream appropriately. So in our clinical trial that we have ongoing at the University of Chicago, we have for the first time shown three people with long-term type 1 diabetes who have become insulin independent. In other words, not needing insulin anymore. So this is what we would call a functional cure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, you know, a stage in the development of the product for all people that have type one diabetes. That's amazing. Okay. Um, and that's exactly what I want to talk about next. So, uh, for the trial that's focused on insulin dependent, uh, diabetes, talk to us about where we are, what you've learned to date, um, 
any any of the challenges that you've had to overcome and maybe what you're able to implement those learnings into future trials? Where, where are we at with that? Yeah, so what's really important is that our first trials, and we've been doing this for a number of years now, um, you know, there are a number of new entries into into the world of uh, cell therapy. Cernova has been working on this since uh, for over 13 years now. We have a very significant amount of data from the preclinical perspective and also from the clinical perspective. And uh, importantly, what we have done with our first clinical trial is that we have actually worked with real with human donor islets. So these are the real things that are in your body that control your blood sugar levels. And we've been able to use those to be able to get a good understanding of the device and how it's functioning, how it's able to keep the cells alive and release insulin into the bloodstream appropriately. So what we have learned so far in this trial is about, um, importantly, just typically in the same way that you learn in drug trials, uh, about what doses of cells that we need and how much room those cells need to be able to function and read blood sugar levels in a normal way so that we have a really good idea of what it takes to get patients not only to be able to get some glucose control and eliminate what we call severe hypoglycemic events, but also able to get, uh, you know, full working uh, functional cells in their body so that they can eliminate the need for the insulin injections. And what's really important about this trial is that I think everyone knows that the next step for Sonova is really uh, a stem cell derived technology uh, that can treat all patients with type 1 diabetes. And that provides an unlimited supply of cells. So we have done a deal with Evotech who has developed a highly differentiated islet uh, technology uh, from an, what we would call an ethically derived IPSC stem cell uh, that has the ability to treat all patients with uh, type 1 diabetes. And so our advanced learning from uh, the clinic with the donor islets is really teaching us when we get into clinical trials uh, within the next year or so uh, with the Evotech cells, exactly what dosing we need. And we already have significant safety of our device. And we, we've reached or surpassed a whole lot of hurdles that other companies have not been able to achieve. Um, and one of those, importantly, is that typically when you put a device in the body, uh, what the body typically tries to do is wall off the device and in the same way that it walls off a splinter. And so one of the big learnings that Cernova has done and overcome and achieved is how do you develop a device that you can place into the body that the body accepts as being part of it and that it actually grows into so that you have, you know, a normal organ-like environment within that device for the therapeutic cells. And we have now shown um, in our in our patients that we've been able to not have issues with fibrosis and that we have long-term function of the device. And this has been, you know, in patients that have type 1 diabetes. And this is proven by consistent uh, levels of C-peptide in the bloodstream that we're finding in our patients. And C-peptide is a measure, is a biomarker for production of insulin produced by the islets or the cells in our device. So, um, you know, we've, 
the hurdles that we've achieved are understanding um, that we do not get the fibrosis that multiple other companies have um, had happened to them. And the second one is getting a really good understanding um, about how many islets we need and how those cells need to be distributed within a device so that they can function uh, really well to, to actually achieve not only uh, improvement in their hypoglycemic underwear events, but also be able to get to that functional care that we're, we're working on. I do actually have one follow-up question. Do the, your patients, are they across all age ranges? Are they pediatric? Are they adult? Yeah, so in, in first sets of clinical trials, we want to have a product that's going to be treating all, has the ability to treat all people with type 1 diabetes. And so our first clinical trials, though, are treating adults. And these adults have long-term type 1 diabetes. They have to have uh, severe hypoglycemic events. You know, in other words, when they take an insulin injection, they don't have the knowledge that their blood sugar levels are dropping, they can go into a coma. So therefore, um, these are the most, what we would consider the severe patients. Uh, they also have to prove with a glucose tolerance test that they are not able to produce any insulin. So we um, are showing that they are not producing any C-peptide in the bloodstream so that when we do get C-peptide in the bloodstream with our technology that uh, we know that it's coming from the cells in the device itself. Um, so first clinical trials are typically around, um, you know, a certain range of adults between 20 to, to 65. It's very, very standard uh, from the clinical trial perspective. And then as things move forward, then the plan would be to uh, be able to, you know, move the technology into other age groups. But ultimately, we want to be able to have a technology um, and this is a, what we would call an immune protected cell technology that we can place into all patients, but we have to test safety and efficacy and ensure that um, is sufficient for FDA at this point. Sure, sure, makes sense. Okay, um, now at the time that I was researching the company, at the time you were about to enter the clinic with two additional programs. So you had an implantable cell therapy for benign thyroid disease, which was resulting from thyroid gland removal anticipated to enter the clinic early 2023, and an ex vivo lentiviral factor eight gene therapy for hemophilia A. So bring us up to speed on where we are with that. And, you know, kind of talk us through the vision and the desired outcomes for both of those trials. Sure. So um, with the thyroid disease application, there are approximately 200,000 people in the United States who are having their thyroid gland completely removed for benign purposes. And so what we have found is that those patients are not sufficiently regulated by the standard, uh, met, you know, the thyroid hormones that patients are taking on a daily basis. So these patients typically get... Um, you know, severe obesity, depression, um, leth lethargy, and this kind of thing. Um, you can look at the thyroid gland essentially as, as like being the engine in your car. If you remove the engine in your car, you're going to be pushing the car forward to get it going. Um, so what we're looking at, and we've done preclinical studies, and uh, this is in peer-reviewed articles that we've published, we've been able to take 
the remaining healthy part of the human thyroid and place it into device into the device in preclinical models. And we've shown long-term survival of the thyroid tissue, as well as the precursor thyroid hormones getting into the bloodstream. And it's really a feedback loop between the thyroid gland and the brain that controls the amount of energy that your body has. And this is what we're trying to bring back to the patients. So our first foray into the clinic will be using um, you know, doing this process where we're able to retrieve the healthy tissue remaining in the, from the patient and place that directly into the pre-implanted cell pouch device. But as we're moving forward, the anticipation is to move forward to an iPSC stem cell derived technology that whereby we could expand our, our therapeutic treatment to patients that have had their thyroid glands removed a long time ago and don't have any thyroid tissue to replace. So it's really a similar model to what we're doing with type 1 diabetes in the sense where we're testing the real thing, make sure that works, and then we develop you know, like a stem cell derived technology to be able to significantly expand the patient population. Good, good. Okay. And that's actually where I want to go next to talk specifically about the stem cells that, you know, Cernova is using. So explain the type of stem cells you're using more broadly, um, you know, in the regenerative medicine therapies that you're developing and why. Yeah. So with our, um, with our agreement with Evotech, we we actually have had a long-term collaboration uh, with Evotech where we were working on testing out their stem cell technology in our device in the gold standard preclinical models. And the, the cells work beautifully. We got long-term insulin independence in these um, you know, gold standard animal models. And what was really important to us, and um, when we first started our clinical trials, were not developed enough are working with iPSC cells. So these are cells that are, that can be derived from the skin or from a blood sample. Um, and then, you know, what, what I would call, you know, essentially not embryonic stem cells. These are, these are cells that, that you can, you know, take from the body that are um, easy to get, and then you can make a cell bank and then go from there. So we wanted to work with these iPSC cells. And EvilTech was the first, group we believe in the world to be able to get what we would call fully differentiated um, islet type product that is focused on having um, the islet clusters be very, very similar um, essentially to human islets, whereby you've got all of the cell types in there and that they are releasing the right amount of insulin, the right amount of glucagon and somatostatin to be able to fully control uh, the hypoglycemic events and uh, type 1 diabetes, essentially. The other important part of this is that people don't typically talk about is the manufacturing process. So when you're manufacturing um, a stem cell derived technology, we want to manufacture it similar to a drug where we have a relatively inexpensive uh, procedure that that there is testing at every step of the process to make sure that um, the cells meet the release criteria and that the product that comes out is exactly the same every single time for every single patient and that it is cost effective and this is a commercial commercially developable product that can be that can treat every single patient with type 1 diabetes and bought around the world and so that's 
what we found that Eagle Tech has, and um, you know, one of the major reasons why we did a deal with that particular technology in that company. And Eagle Tech is really important because they have approximately 100 scientists working on multiple IPSC type technologies, which is what Cernova is focusing on. So, um, you know, we see these as great partners for Cernova going forward. Good, good. Okay. Um, another thing I was looking at when I was researching Cernova uh, for the podcast is your ap- approach to what you're um, what you're stating is this total regenerative medicine solution. And so I'd like to for you to talk to our listeners about what that approach is and exactly the why behind it. Yeah, so there are four cell therapy approach. It isn't just taking cells and then pouring them into the bloodstream and thinking that they're gonna function. There there have been multiple failures with stem cells that have uh, been placed into into the bloodstream and then you don't know where the cells went. So we believe there's three parts of the technology to be able to move this forward to treat millions of, of people with these diseases. And one of these is you wanna know where the, where the cells are. And so we develop uh, this highly vascularized um, organ-like device that uh, you know is placed under the skin. So that's part number one. And we have proven that in uh, long-term our long-term clinical trial in patients that it's working. Uh, the second part of this are the cells, all right? So we started off working with human donor islets, but there's a limited supply of these cells. And so by getting a stem cell drive technology that produces the right amount of insulin and the other hormones, uh, then that provides us the ability to treat all people uh, with type one diabetes. And the third aspect of this Uh, third-pronged approach is how do you protect these cells from immune system attack? So there are three different approaches. Uh, One can uh, gene edit the starting stem cells, and we believe this is a potential way of, uh, of moving forward to make those cells blind to immune system attack. So that's one approach. The second approach is a simpler approach, which is more of a polymer type approach. And um, there you're not altering the stem cells that you're working with. And what Cernova is doing is that we're working with a technology called conformal coding, which is a technology that we have a worldwide exclusive license to from the University of Miami. And here what we're doing is coding the cells with a cross-link polymer coding. And it has been proven to allow normal flow of insulin and glucose back and forth across that membrane. And the membrane surrounds the cell almost like a shrink wrap, so it doesn't take up any room in the device, which is really important. And the third part of it is it's been proven to show that it can protect those cells from immune system attack. So what Cernova is doing right now is that we have an extensive collaboration with the University of Miami, and we're combining the technologies uh, within our cell pouch to be able to drive this into clinic. And then that would eliminate the need for the anti-rejection medications that are used by all companies right now to protect those cells from immune system attack. Um, The other approach is what's called tolerance. So you can also work with the immune system to teach that the immune system how to tolerate the cells that you're putting into the body. And Cernova is, is actually working in the background on multiple 
uh, types of approaches for protecting these cells from immune system attack. So just to summarize, again, there's three parts. There's the device, therapeutic cells, and then the what we would call the local immune protection of those cells. Uh, and that will, find, that will provide the fully functional product that we believe will be able to be used uh, by all people that have these chronic diseases, irrespective of age over time, once we prove safety and efficacy of these long-term. Good, good, okay. Um, I also wanna talk, I, I wanna hear from you, your perspective on what you feel based on your professional background and your, and your work that you're doing with Cernova, what do you feel is truly the near-term future of regenerative medicine as a whole? Well, I think um, what I see is this is uh, going to revolutionize medicine. And what I think is important right now is you not only have to have the science going forward, but you also have to have the investor interest. And what we're finding is that uh, because these studies cost quite a bit and to get them you know, proven. Um, what we're finding is there's a significant amount of um, institutional investor interest in this field. And we're seeing that, that the investments are growing uh, considerably. There are a number of cell therapy companies now that are moving forward. And I think we need to continue with the successes uh, that we're having. So our success that we have, um, the data that we've come out with the American Diabetes, at the American Diabetes Association meeting is a significant uh, you know, indicator that there is the potential to get this functional cure. And we just need to keep getting data uh, coming out around the stem cell drive technologies. And we're not the only ones working in this field. Um, and it just is as long as we continue to get successes in the field, I believe very strongly that uh, therapeutics is gonna be moving from um, just masking symptoms of disease to actually be able to find a functional cure. And I think we're, we're very close to that in multiple areas. And the first thing, you know, we may have that functional cure, but we have to drive it through the clinical programs and, you know, through work with FDA very closely to get these products approved and into patients uh, as quickly as we can. You can imagine, even with this, you know, the data that we've got now, we get multiple inquiries from parents who have uh, children with type 1 diabetes. And this, this is, it's really the patients that are driving uh, this disruptive technology. And they are the ones that really need to keep pushing uh, to get these products approved in a safe way as quick as possible. So. Good, good. Well, and I, I was just about to say that, you know, from there are our listeners either professionally or personally, uh, you know, certainly deal with type 1 diabetes. And we all hope that this is curative much sooner than later. So wonderful. Um, we've kind of reached the formal end of uh, our discussion, but uh, I wanted to ask you uh, when I was doing uh, my research for today's podcast, uh, your undergraduate and graduate degrees are in zoology. Uh, before moving on to earning your PhD in pharmacology and therapeutics at the University of British Columbia. So what I wanted to ask you is, what led you to studying zoology and how does that impact what you're doing today? How do the two meet right. up? So I have uh, been a biologist and interested in, in the natural world ever since I was a little child. Um, and so when I when I did go to, to university, I I became very very interested in 
how different species in the world survive, um, you know, extreme environments, right? How are their bodies adapted to do that? So I studied environmental physiology uh, quite a bit. And after I did my initial graduate degree, I ended up working in the cardiology department of um, in Vancouver and really learned about the relationship of, you know, human disease and how do we work to find uh, cures to, to help these patients um, out. And so I kind of moved from animal um, environment physiology really to working in humans and how they adapt to disease and how they, how we can then cure them essentially. So that really built my interest. And when I did my PhD in the diabetes area, you really learn about how far behind uh, we are in terms of coming up with a better treatment for type 1 diabetes. And, you know, to think that patients have been on taking insulin injections for over 100 years with, you know, what I would consider no really significant improvement really tells you essentially that, um, you know, we can get stuck in the dogma of good enough when we need to get something that is an actual real cure. And so it, you know, my entire life has been dedicated to disruptive type technologies that can make very significant changes in how people are being treated and how do we help physicians look forward ex instead of accepting what's already, you know, the good enough type approach. So it really, you know, getting into human medicine just really expanded my um, excitement and being able to have a super contribution uh, to the world in terms of uh, helping to treat these diseases and changing the way people look at potential and look at great things that can be done in medicine. So, and the other important part of this is that uh, it takes huge teams to be able to make this happen. It takes a lot of support, a lot of trust, and even, you know, in companies that are competing with each other, we release data at, at, in, you know, in medical conferences, and in many ways, we're helping each other out to get to that functional cure uh, for all people that have these diseases. And ultimately, it comes down uh, to the people that we're, that we're helping, really. So um, long-winded way of saying <laughs> of how I got to this area, but I'm really thrilled that, um, you know, we're, we're having an impact on, on people. That's wonderful. Lives. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that it wasn't long winded at all. I think it was a, a, a really interesting uh, path. And I, I, I love the approach of patient first and however we collaborate, there's enough sun for everyone. So that's great. Um, all right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. Thanks to my guest, Cernova Corp's Philip Tolikas, uh, for his time and for all the insight you've provided today. This was great, Philip. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very be, much. Sure. Be sure to visit Cell and Gene to register for our newsletter and to read our timely content written and curated for professionals just like you. We'll talk to you soon.